This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.48 in the morning. This is The Morning Run. I'm Shazana with Xiaoning and Jensen. Now, yesterday, Prime Minister Dr. Sri Anwar Ibrahim concluded a half-day official visit to Singapore, and this was his first as the country's 10th Prime Minister. Together with his Singapore counterpart, Lee Sien Lung, they witnessed the signing of agreements that included cooperation in the digital and green economy. Areas such as cross-border data flows, electronic payments, collaboration of EVs are included in the framework. Meanwhile, the two nations also linked inked an MOU that will enable them to cooperate on issues such as personal data protection as well as cybersecurity. Meanwhile, on their ties, PM Lee expects travelling to be made easier in 2026 as the Johor-Baru-Singapore Rapid Transit System link is expected to be completed by then. Now, with Malaysia and Singapore being each other's second largest trading partners. How can bilateral relations be improved further? So for an overview of the outcome of the visit, uh, we speak to Thomas Daniel, Senior Fellow at ISIS Malaysia. Thomas, good morning. Always good to have you. So this is Anwar Ibrahim's first visit to the Republic as Malaysia's Prime Minister, but not his first visit um, as a representative of the government. Do we have any indication from, um, I guess, past visits, what kind of relationship he has with his Singaporean counterpart? Uh, good morning. Um, always good to be on. So, uh, you know, if you look at the statements yesterday, I think both uh, prime ministers were generally quite cordial about their past relationship. Now, uh, Sien Long and Anwar have met several times. I don't have the exact number, but I do remember multiple social media posts by both over the last couple of years on their prior meetings, especially when uh, the latter would make official visits to Malaysia and when Anwar would be on speaking engagements to Singapore. So, uh, you know, these guys have generally kept in touch, but I think that it is also a hallmark of Singaporean uh, diplomacy. Um, They actively keep tabs on individuals and organizations, not just political and economic, but from a variety of spheres in countries that are important to them or that they need to have a comprehensive understanding of. Uh, It's very much part and parcel of effective diplomacy, but it's a lesson that perhaps a few other foreign missions in Malaysia learned the hard way after we had our first change of political leadership in 2018. That said, uh, I think Anwar is now prime minister. He's now the head of government. So this meeting is on a slightly, you know, in a much more official capacity. There will be a lot more weight behind their words, but perhaps a lot more uh, restrictions as well. And Thomas, Malaysia has had a very marked different political journey compared to Singapore, where PAP has remained in power since their independence. While we have had five prime ministers in five years, how does this shape bilateral relationships and agreeing to long-term projects? Yeah, uh, bilateral projects have certainly been impacted uh, before for sure. I mean, just most notably is the postponement and then cancellation of the high-speed rail, which may or may not be revived in the coming years. Um, I think one of the best analogies I've heard about the Malaysia-Singapore bilateral is that, you know, we are like a divorced couple which can't move out of the same house, but sometimes we still get into bed with each other. Uh, <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, as, 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 as multiple leaders from both sides of the causeway has implied over the years, our futures are somewhat linked, if not intertwined. So uh, given all this, even when some of us might prefer it otherwise, it's imperative that both our countries keep close political tabs on, you know, put, keep close tabs on political developments on the other side. Now, for Malaysia, this is a bit easier for reasons you alluded to in your question. Although I think there are still nuances we need to watch out for, a new generation of political leaders who might shoulder the baggage of separation separately from their predecessors in Singapore. 
For Singapore, however, I think uh, uh, we have a uh, you know the sort of highly politicized and fractious nature of Malaysian of Malaysia's uh, competing ruling elites are a matter of concern because it will impact bilateral relations. You know, Malaysia is no longer the predictable, stable place that it once was politically. Uh, Ethno-nationalism has always been a feature of Malaysian politics that Singapore policy elites are used for and even expect. But the fact is that you know even in this recent election, after more than 50 years of separation. Uh, some Malaysian politicians still bring up and uh, deliberately misrepresent the fate of Malays or Islam in Singapore as a warning to their voters uh, is something that definitely plays on the other side of the causeway. Uh, and I think local government policies as a result of, of cabinets and new governments can also impact uh, the supply of various goods in Singapore that is still dependent on Malaysia for a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, uh, 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 water, produce, uh, even uh, uh, goods that are produced here that are exported through Singapore. Uh, Singapore isn't as dependent on us as they once were, or some Malaysians would like it to be, but uh, life will certainly be a lot more difficult if steady and a reliable supply of flow and, and, of, and flow of goods are not, uh, you know, are not guaranteed, uh, and if there's disruption across the causeway. Okay, so let's talk about trade, because Singapore is Malaysia's second largest trading partner, and even with COVID-19, the Republic's trade with Malaysia increased 24% between 2020 and 2021. So what needs to be looked at to bolster trade figures and also improve cooperation between the two countries? Mm, uh, I think bilateral and multilateral trade is actually pretty robust. you know. And there's a range of uh, bilateral and multilateral FTAs that lay down you know, the standards, goals and pathways that both countries have subscribed to. Uh, uh, perhaps what I would focus on here, given my previous response, and also because the Prime Minister, I mean, the Prime Minister Anwar focused on it yesterday, is that of um, food security, right? So uh, one of the effects of Singapore's 30 by 30 initiative, which aims to diversify the range of countries it imports food from, is that, you know, Malaysia's share of food that we export to Singapore will ultimately decline. And there's no guarantee that local demand, which is heavily influenced by government subsidies, can pick up that excess so perhaps here uh, for Malaysia nationally, there is a need to reposition us as, a, as an attractive source and a, and a reliable supplier of food, not just to Singapore, but perhaps regionally, you know. Uh, so this means creating, having the right policies to have the right infrastructure and investment, which could potentially come from Singapore. Uh, now, Singapore itself has adopted various strategies to promote sustainable food production, you know, urban farms, uh, policies that maximize the, the use of resources and land and maximize output and skill enhancement. Now, these are all things that we can certainly co collaborate with them on. Uh, while we have the capacity to grow our food, productivity has always been a bit of an issue. Uh, so formalizing uh, agreements on enhancing skill sets as first practices in R&D are something, especially in terms of food production, uh, is something that I think we need to look at. One of the things that uh, is constantly brought up between Malaysia and Singapore is um, Pedra Branca, uh, Middle Rocks mm. and South Ledge, those sovereign sovereignty issues. Now, Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim did indicate during the visit that uh, Malaysia doesn't really, doesn't intend to appeal the ICJ de decision, the window has passed. But how has this issue impacted bilateral relations between the two countries? And um, is it now resolved of sorts or are there still outstanding things to be discussed between them? 
Sure. Um, well, Peter Pranka, has always been one of the more outstanding bilateral issues between both countries. It is, you know, sometimes it's been a thorn and perhaps it still is to some folks. Uh, I think both countries have robustly pursued or defended their respective claims. Uh, however, here, I think what is, you know, it's, it's, it's normal for neighboring countries to have territorial disputes, but I think how one deals with these disputes is also quite telling. Uh, you know, we decided to have it arbitrated. The ruling did not go our way. We lost Pedro Branca, but we kept Middle Rocks. Uh, South Village, I think, is subject to an eventual maritime boundary uh, delimitation that a joint technical committee, uh, you know, made up of, of officials from both countries uh, are working on right now. But uh, adhering to the ruling of the ICG and its limitations on applications for revisions, you know, it's what countries who commit to international law to resolve their disputes do. And I think this is what we are doing. Uh, you know, and other countries in the region could well learn from how we, uh, Malaysia and Singapore, chooses to manage their disputes after we bring them to arbitration. Uh, I would just add that legally, I think it might be a done deal. Uh, I'm no legal expert. Uh, I'll give you that caveat. But diplomatically and politically, perhaps it isn't as clear cut as that. You know, uh, one would suspect that we will see this pursued domestically in Malaysia. And Singapore will invariably find themselves mentioned, even if there is no legal ramifications. So, you know, it would be prudent to assume that our relatives down south will have to keep at least one eye on how things play out here. Okay, Daniel, uh, Thomas, very quickly, uh, can I ask you about whether Malaysia and Singapore have the same interests and views on certain issues like US-China tensions or even the military regime in Myanmar? Sure, absolutely. Uh, we do. I mean, we do share certain views. We don't. We you know we don't happen to share all all our views. Uh, so these these items would naturally come up for 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 discussion in bilateral meetings like this. Uh, very quickly, for instance, uh, both countries are concerned about the impact of major power uh, uh, major power rivalry on ASEAN and its cohesion and centrality. Now, Malaysia and Singapore are not just economically tied, but we are symbiotically linked to the global supply chain, which will you know have which will feel the effects of uh, reverberations. And the same goes for Myanmar. Uh, the, the large human toll that this conflict is exacting, the, the fact that ASEAN is split on how to deal with a, with, with a very recalcitrant junta and you know, how, this, uh, how, how this might affect ASEAN's cooperation and, dialogue, and with its dialogue partners in the, in the long run. These are things where we do share common views. Thomas, thank you very much for speaking with us. That was Thomas Daniel, Senior Fellow at ISIS Malaysia, uh, giving us his reactions to the visit of Prime Minister Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim to Singapore and what that means for the relationship moving forward. It is 7.59 in the morning. We're heading into the 8 a.m. news bulletin. After that, we do have the Breakfast Grill, where Jensen will be speaking to Charles Frump, Managing Director of Volvo Malaysia. Stay tuned for that conversation. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.